0: Welcome back, folks. Um, believe it or not, we're going to be talking about margin uh, this episode. I had a uh, meeting with a guy yesterday, and uh, he called me at the time we were meant to be meeting and said, I'm out of Bolivar. Do you live out of Bolivar? kind on a Globe Derby. And I said, what's your address? And he, and he told me, and I said, we've never lived anywhere close uh, there. And so he said, I'm going to be late. And I said, gee, that's going to bounce your other appointments late. And he says, no, 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 I always build in margin. I thought, gee... I could learn a thing or two from that guy. So essentially, he had put in a buffer zone for things like getting the location wrong. And um, I think there is a great deal of value, especially seeing somewhere in the deep dark um, past of mine that I read a book called Margin: The Overload Syndrome. So you know, in connection with boldness and the empowering presence of the Spirit and being missional, um, what what effect and impact does Margin have? And uh, you know, talk around that as you see fit, Peter.
1: I love that verse we looked at in the last session, Craig, from Ephesians 5, 15. Be careful in how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And over the last X number of years, X being, I can't remember, but a long time, I've used the word margin with people and partway through, I've said to them, oh, you know what I mean by margin, don't you? And they said, um, actually, no. And you described it very well, building in a buffer zone. But I would invite you who are listening to picture an A4 sheet of paper, lined paper, and someone has written you a letter on it, and they've started right up the very top left-hand corner, right up the very top at the edge of the left-hand side and the edge of the top of the paper. They've written in small writing right across to the right-hand side, and they've written down the whole page, using up the whole thing. Then they hand that page to you and ask you to read it. The first thing that happens is you look at the page, your eyes squint. There's nothing attractive about that page at all. It just looks like one great big clutter. There isn't a single margin in sight. When you actually change that and write on the same sheet of paper, but have three centimetres in from the top, three centimetres up from the bottom two and a half from the left, two and a half from the right, leave space between your lines and just write a few things on the page, all of a sudden it's attractive. You want to read it, it's easy to read, you can look at it, it's inviting to look at and you don't want to put it away. Many of our lives are actually like the first sheet of paper. When other people look in, you know, we talk a lot about being missional. When other people look at our lives, there's questions they have got that they never, ever ask because they're always thinking, oh, that person's too busy. Yeah. Oh. Or that person's got too much on. Or I'd like, to, I'd like to come alongside that person, but you know what? I don't want to be a burden on them. So when there are no margins in our lives, when we're filled up every single moment, we can't breathe. Other people look at us. They see that we can't breathe. And they, they, they don't have anything to do with us. It's
0: very convicting, because people say that to me. Oh, we don't want to bother you, Craig, because you're too busy. I go, oh, wow, of all the things that I want to give off, the odours that I want to give off, the, you know, the
1: aroma I want to give off, I don't want to give off one that I'm busy, I'm too busy. So building margins in our lives is really about something we looked at in the last session, and that's learning what to say yes to and what to say no to. And again, at the risk of repeating ourselves again and again and again, but you can't go anywhere without it, uh, establishing margins in our lives comes back to identity. If I'm not trying to prove myself, if I am not striving for acceptance and love that I already have, then I don't need to fill every moment in a vain pursuit for contentment and purpose out of activity, but contentment and purpose uh, Contentment and purpose can come out of knowing that I'm loved, knowing that I'm accepted, and then realising that my identity is given, not earned, frees me from filling every single moment. And so if someone comes and knocks on the door and they find yourself watching back episodes of Grand Designs or a Farmer Wants a Wife or whatever is your, your poison, or they find yourself reading a crime fiction novel instead of the Bible, We don't need to feel guilty. Why? Because it's a margin. And if it's our margin and someone comes and knocks on the door, then we can shut the book, invite them in, and have a cup of coffee because we've got a margin to do so. So, margins actually free us for this very thing that we're looking for, and that is a missional life and a missional lifestyle. And we may go weeks and weeks with our margins being in place and no one. Uh, infringing on them. No, it's not infringing. No, and, and us not needing to use those margins to be a blessing into someone else's life. And that's okay. Uh, live at peace and live in the rest of the Father without feeling guilty about it. There will come a time where every margin is given away. Remember, it's about ebbs and flows. It's about times and seasons. It's not about uh, performing and earning and striving. A few things going on here.
0: You know, it's a you made the link between margin and identity and, um, you know, I would even say belonging. There's some there's some deep waters there, Peter. The, yeah, because the,
1: the, the ultimate question is why am I cooking every moment?
0: That, that's right. Why? And, and I must say in recent times I've, I've put in place measures to mitigate some of the constancy that seems to happen, especially when you've got four kids around and you, you have a tendency to get things done and, and whatever. And it's quite revealing to see what you do when you've said, I'm not going to do anything in this time frame and where your mind goes and where you start to, you know, where you start to itch in order to want to do things. So it's more than just, we're not talking about, you know, split your day up into 24 hour segments and, you know, what's the difference between 15 and, you know, 14, and 15 minutes, one minute, make sure you're more effective with your time, put in margin, blah, blah, blah. It's actually about, it's about the deep things of who we are. Um, but I'm reminded uh, from something that I read in Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, um, when which has impacted me deeply in regard to this margin in regard to actually not always being on in the on position so to speak and he he talks in the discipline of fasting, which I always thought was primarily and basically about not eating foods at certain uh, for certain periods of time uh, he talks about um, the, the, the the discipline of fasting from people um for an extrovert that 's uh that 's like a like alien speak but he says in here the discipline of solitude and the discipline of community go hand in hand. Because you know this book is nine disciplines that um, we practice as people who want to put on the new nature of Christ. He says, until we have learned to be alone, we cannot be with people in a way that will help them. For we will bring to that relationship our own scatteredness. And that's probably the salient part for me, Peter, that when I'm in a rush, when I'm kind of, you know, trying to be on the front foot and be organised and prepared and doing things, whatever. I really just bring scatterness to people and I'm not thinking about them, I'm thinking about me.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, l- I love that, Craig. Just the flip side is that for a person who spends a lot of their time in solitude, then their margin may actually be getting together in some community. <laughs> he addresses that
0: too. Keep talking. And I'll yeah, just
1: quickly no. find it. So... You you talk about the S-word of solitude. There's another S-word that comes to mind, and that's the word of simplicity. Now, I know a lot of people in the approach to life in the kingdom that that we have in common uh, talk about simplicity. And simplicity is not being a simpleton, but simplicity is actually doing what, uh, not doing what. It's actually living out of the wisdom that Ephesians 5.15 urges us to, be careful in how we live, not as unwise, redeeming the time, making most of the time. Uh, We make most of the time when when we practise simplicity, and it's that basic age-old story which all of us have heard, if not read on Facebook, about putting in the big rocks. Once the big rocks are in, the smaller rocks can go in. Once the smaller rocks go in, the gravel can go in. Once the gravel goes in, the sand can go in. And once the sand can go in, the water can go in. Many of us actually have our lives full of sand and water, and then when we come to put in the big rocks, our marriage our children, our ageing parents uh, redressing bad financial practices uh, there's, there's no space left because we, we've filled it with inconsequential uh, ins- insignificant things that seem significant and so back to, back to identity it's, it's interesting that in John chapter 13 it says and during supper Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God Got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself, so Jesus knew where he had come from and knew where he was going. Yeah. So he could live simply and he could wash feet. It's it was a similar verse in John chapter eight, verse uh, verse four, 14. Jesus answered, "Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I've come from and where I'm going." So when we know where we've come from and where we're going, I've come from the Father. I'm going to the Father. Yeah. Does this activity really matter? You know what? It doesn't. So we can put margins in our life and live simply and let others think of us whatever they like. You know, I, I don't know what people in Mount Torrens think of me. Some, some of them have asked, are you a fly in, fly out? I said, why do you think that? He says, well, some weeks we see you, some weeks we don't. And we see you hanging around the town. We see you doing this. We see you doing that. Uh, You're not so, loitering, are you? No, no I'm not loitering. Oh, right. and, I, and I'm not stalking. But we don't live for what other people <laughs> think. Uh, we live for the Father. And we live out of our identity as daughters and sons, and that that frees us even to have discussions like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just when you're talking about the big rock thing, I I had a a little bit of wisdom and advice given to me recently, which I'd never really put it this way, but uh, Kevin down the road, a good friend of mine, um, he runs a big business. And uh, anyway, I was talking about a, a business opportunity, and he just said, Craig, mate, and, the, and, and and you mentioned this back when you were talking about rest and, and uh, still working, working from rest. He said, Craig, mate, you've got the big rocks in. Work hard. And I thought, oh, I, I, think, I think I know what you mean. And he's saying, you know, you've found your life in Christ. Christ is the big rock. And now just go nuts with him at the center, if you like. And, I, and, and, and you know, it seemed a little bit counterintuitive because, you know, rest and laziness aren't in the same sentence, are they?
1: They're not. And it comes back to identity because one of the things you alerted me to in raising this topic is FOMO, fear of missing out. And much of what happens in the Western world and much of the striving that I see now happening in the two-thirds world as they compare themselves with us in the Western world is is based around fear of missing out. Whereas uh, as followers of Jesus, the incredible news is we miss out on nothing. We have abundant life. When... When the Father says, as He does, "I accept you, I love you, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're the apple of my eye, I'm well pleased with you," uh, my Holy Spirit dwells within you, and and you are my temple. That we miss out on nothing. Yeah. Uh, people say to us, "Oh, you and Julie, you, you live you live by faith. You know, don't you miss out on this? Don't you miss out?" No. So we've we've missed nothing. There are things we want that we don't have, but we miss out on nothing, and and so. To uh, to recognize and address that fear as a fear, as a dart, a flaming dart of the devil, as uh, as a uh, an evil spirit of fear, to come and try and attack us by having us live in the misbelief that we'll miss out on something, that that needs to be arrested, and it gets arrested by the word of God from Romans 8. For I have not given you a spirit of slavery to lead you back to fear, but I've given you a spirit of sonship whereby we can say Abba Father. Mm. So, Because he is our Abba, he's a good father. He gives us everything we need. We miss out on nothing. That means I'm free now to place margins in my life that has me living a life of rest, boldness in where he leads me, and uh, and a life of, of, of knowing that, that he trusts me.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and we can't really go with it too far because uh, we're coming to the end of That's our 10, 10, 15 minutes. But I, I will go with it, and that, that is... Um, the fear of missing out, the FOMO, the, the the you know part of what culturally somehow has become ingrained in us, where we're always thinking there's someone else we could do. You know, the postmodern world is thinking, or postmodern mindset is thinking. You know, I'll keep my options open right to the last minute because there might something better might rock up. You know, the essence of that really is like a, like an envy, like a desire to do something more exciting and and more fulfilling. And if we apply that into the essence of our our life and our life's purpose, then. Could it, could it be that it actually reflects a discontentment with what we have? Could it be that it's a discontentment? Do we, do we think that we don't have the full bottle when we have Christ and this is where we are and this is what we've been given for this time and space? So I'll leave that with you. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: read, read James 4 for what Craig just said.
0: Yeah, see you next time.